episode of Free Circle Freedoms. In this episode, we will be outlining the next four principles, 17 through 20, of the 5,000 year lead, Principles of Freedom 101. Let's get into them. Seventeenth principle. A system of checks and balances should be adopted to prevent the abuse of powers. James Madison explains checks and balances. It is interesting that James Madison had to spend five Federalist Papers, number 47 to number 51, explaining that the separation of powers between the executive legislative, and the judicial departments should not be absolute, but should make allowances for a built-in system of checks and balances. He said the trick was to separate the powers, then delicately lace them back together again as a balanced unit. Blending does not mean usurping. Notice that the purpose of checks and balances is a constitutional control in the hands of each department of the government to prevent any usurpation of power by another department or abusive administration of the power granted to it. This blending does not therefore intrude into the legitimate functions of each of the departments as Madison explains it. It is agreed on all sides that the powers properly belonging to one of the departments ought not be directly or completely administered by either of the other departments. It is equally evident that none of them ought to possess, directly or indirectly, an overruling influence over the others in the administration of their prospective powers. It will not be denied that power is of an encroaching nature, and that it ought to be effectually restrained from passing the limits assigned to it. The next and most difficult task is to provide some practical security for each against the invasion of the other. The original intent of the founders. As it turned out, the American founding fathers achieved a system of checks and balances far more complex than those envisioned. These included the following provisions. 1. The House of Representatives serves as a check on the Senate, since no statute can become law without the approval of the House. 2. At the same time, the Senate, representing the legislator of the states before the 17th Amendment, serves as a check on the House of Representatives since no statute can become law without its approval. 3. A president can restrain 
both the House and the Senate by using his veto to send back any bill not meeting with his approval. Number four, the Congress has, on the other hand, a check on the President by being able to pass a bill over the President's veto with a two-thirds majority of the House. Number five, the legislator also has a further check on the President through its power of discrimination in appropriating funds for the operation of the executive branch. Six, the President must have the approval of the Senate in filling important offices of the executive branch. Number seven, the President must also have the approval of the Senate before any treaties with foreign nations can go into effect. Number eight, the Congress has the authority to conduct investigations of the executive branch to determine whether or not funds are being properly expended and the laws enforced. Number nine, the president has a certain amount of political influence on the legislator by letting it be known that he will not support the re-election of those who oppose his program. Number 10, the executive branch also has a further check on the Congress by using its discretionary power in establishing military bases, building dams, improving navigable waters, and building interstate highways so as to favor those areas from which the president feels he is getting support by their representatives. 11. The judiciary has a check on the legislator through its authority to review all laws and determine their constitutionality. Number 12. The Congress, on the other hand, has a restraining power over the judiciary by having the constitutional authority to restrict the extent of its jurisdiction. 13. The Congress also has the power to impeach any of the judges who are guilty of treason, high crimes, or misdemeanors. 14. The President also has a check on the judiciary by having the power to nominate new judges, subject to the approval of the Senate. 15. The Congress has further restraining power over the judiciary by having the control of appropriations for the operation of the federal court system. 16. The Congress is able to initiate amendments to the Constitution, which, if approved by three-fourths of the states, could seriously affect the operation of both the executive and the judicial branches. 17. The Congress, by joint resolution, can terminate certain powers granted to the President, such as 
war powers without his consent. And finally, 18, the people have a check on their congressman every two years, on their president every four years, and on their senators every six years. Get out and vote. The 18th principle, the unalienable rights of the people are most likely to be preserved if the principles of government are set forth in a written constitution. Beginnings of a written constitution in America. The first written charter in America was in 1620 when the Mayflower Compact came into being. Later the charter concept evolved into a more comprehensive type of constitution when Thomas Hooker and his associates adopted the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut in 1639. It is interesting that the Connecticut Charter makes no reference to the Crown or the British government as the source of its authority. It is a compact of, quote, we, the people, unquote. As historian John Fisk writes, on the 14th day of January, 1639, all the free men of the three towns assembled at Hartford and adopted a written constitution in which the hand of the great preacher, the Reverend Thomas Hooker, is clearly discernible. It is worthy of note that this document contains none of the conventional reference to the dreaded sovereign or gracious king, nor the slightest allusion to the British or any other government outside the Connecticut itself, nor does it prescribe any condition of church membership for the right of suffrage. It was the first written constitution known to modern history that created a government and it marked the beginnings of American democracy, for which Thomas Hooker deserves more than any other man to be called the father. The government of the United States today is in lineal descent more nearly related to that of Connecticut than to that of any other 13 colonies. This little federal republic slightly grew till it became the strongest political structure on the continent. As was illustrated in the remarkable military energy and the unshaken financial credit of Connecticut during the Revolutionary War. One more time. Get out there and vote. It matters, people. 
the 19th principle. Only limited and carefully defined powers should be delegated to government, all others being retained in the people. No principle was emphasized more vigorously during the Constitutional Convention than the necessity of limiting the authority of the federal government. Not only was this to be done by carefully defining the powers delegated to the government, but the founders were determined to bind down the administration with legal chains codified in the Constitution. It will be recalled that one of the reasons many of the states would not adopt the original draft of the Constitution was that they feared the encroachments of the federal government on the rights of the states and the people. The first ten amendments were therefore added to include the unalienable rights of free men, so there could be no question to the strictly limited authority the people were conferring on their central government. Notice how carefully the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are worded. The Ninth Amendment The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. The Tenth Amendment The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Where power rivals power, the founders felt that by having a wholesome balance between the federal and the state governments, the people would have recourse to one or the other in case of usurpation or abuse by either. That brings us to the final principle of this episode, the 20th principle. Efficiency and dispatch require government to operate according to the will of the majority. But constitutional provisions must be made to protect the rights of the minority. One of the most serious mistakes in the structure of the Articles of Confederation was the requirement that no changes could be made without the approval of everyone of the states. During the Revolutionary War, several vital changes were suggested, but in each instance, a single state was able to prevent the needed change from being adopted. This is a very important principle in the book and I suggest you go get the book and read it in its entirety, A Miracle That Changed the World, The 5,000 Year Leap. 
Principles of Freedom 101. It's a great book, and I'm going to leave the 20th principle at that. And that concludes this episode of Free Circle Freedoms. Thank you for listening along. And join us next time for the next four principles, number 21 through 24 of the 28 principles of the 5,000-year lead. And as always, I want to invite you over to our website, freecircle.website. We have a lot going on over there. Also, we have a new site that highlights all of our podcast shows. It's podcast.freecircle.website I would sure appreciate it if you would go visit that website. There is a audience survey brought to you by PodTrack. If you could go over there fill that out for me I sure would appreciate it. Thank you for joining in and enjoy your day. I'm Ed. Free Circle Freedoms out.